We are outdoor ladies who hunt, fish, camp, and more, all while working in conservation. I am Julia Plugi with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. And I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I am Tana Wagner with the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. And we want to see you outdoors. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. So nationwide, you know, from one corner to the next, at least I know here in the middle of the United States, we are in the thick of deer season. Nebraska, we are uh, in right at the peak of our rifle season. Iowa is kind of, you're, you're gearing up for your shotgun season. Kansas's rifle season, I believe, opened this like this week time frame too. And so it's it's all centered, at least that rifle season is around the, the rut. And we're going to talk a little bit about the rut um, later on in this episode. We've also, you can all go back to previous episodes where I know we've talked more about that rut. But today uh, you get to hear my lovely voice, Julia, and I am welcomed on the other side of the mic, Rachel in Iowa. How are you doing? Hey, Julia. All good here. Yeah, we are certainly ramping up for our deer shotgun seasons. They're coming up the first week of December and we're in the midst of archery season right now. So exciting stuff going on here and, and excited to talk about this today. Right. And our guest today, we're going to talk uh, more about the late season. So we're going to fast forward into a uh, different timing of the year, fast forward into winter. And when we're thinking deer, you know, a lot of times we just think fall, but we, we, we kind of forget that really deer season just is like longer period of time. We, we get excited in the beginning of the season, but as the days get shorter, uh, the ground gets more brown or white and the air gets crisp or cold where <laughs> we kind of forget that deer season is still open uh at least here in nebraska we go into late season i think it's across the states too maybe some regulations changes the method of firearm or the method of take changes but we we don't want to forget that late season and it you know we want to talk with our guest today about what's some different strategies that um uh, we may need to take for that. And like we said, certainly don't want to forget that late season. So um, our guest today, Julie Geyser, is not new to the microphone for She Goes Outdoors. She has been here uh, one, maybe two times already. Uh, I think even one of our original guests. But uh, for we have a lot of new listeners, or do we even refresh the ears that are the following us? Uh, Julie, we've tried to get you in for this discussion like a billion times. <laughs> I swear it's like really a billion times. We've had to reschedule because someone's sick, we're sick, we've been called into a like a mandatory meeting. We had that oh beep beep beep, I forgot. Probably more than once. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> so Julie, um other than we have a lot of fun and we talk about farting and staying warm or staying cold or it's hot, uh, please introduce yourself. Right. I'm Julie Geyser. I'm a public information officer here for the Nebraska Game and Parks commission. Um, also do a lot of women's outreach, youth outreach, um, do some writing and photography for Nebraska Land Magazine as well. One of my very favorite things to do is get people involved in the outdoors. I'm pretty passionate about that and been doing 
a lot of hunting and fishing when I always refer back to the country song, when country wasn't cool, I was hunting when women hunters weren't cool. Right. So, but that has all shifted now. We were just talking in the meeting today about we are women are more mean now. Like back in the day. <laughs> so Julie has been the coordinator for our Becoming Outdoor Woman program here in Nebraska for now moving into 32 years. She's been there with, with us with the program for all 32 years in the state. And she was started when like it, I don't know if it, we'd say it wasn't cool, but women were more intimidated to do it back then. Right. And and they were f- almost afraid to announce that I'm going to this event to be learn how to hunt and fish and camp and do this all myself and the heck with you men. And today we we're just talking about that in a meeting as we were planning for the 2023 event that uh, women are meaner. We're even going to put that on our shirt. <laughs> and I don't know if meaner is the word. We're just more intense and we're not afraid to speak our minds, more. which is a good thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And it kind of even leads into our conversation today, preparing for that late season deer hunt, because um, it takes a lot of different strategies and, and intimidations to get over for that the topic. So, you know, when we first, when I first asked Julie, it's like, hey, join, for, join us for this conversation on deer hunting. I think we, we started this process in August. <laughs> Here we are, <laughs> November. So I was like, okay, well, what's a little post deer season, but let's talk about this post deer season. Um, you know, here in Nebraska, like I said, it, the deer season is open from September to January. Uh, a lot changes during that time. The, the weather, the deer habits are changing, the, everything that, you know, where do they need to feed, where they bed down sometimes. And so Julie um, has been, I think, hunting probably that late season for a long time. A long time. Yeah. And, and so she's definitely an expert to bring in about that. So Julie, you uh, you kind of led into it here, um, but how long have you been deer deer uh, hunting? And and you know who is your original mentor, or how did you learn? Well, you know, growing up, um, my family was always pretty outdoorsy. Uh, my dad did a lot of hunting, but wasn't always the most patient person, so it wasn't much fun to go. Um, you know, my dad had three girls, so he really. <laughs> didn't take us girls out a whole lot. I was probably the closest thing to a boy that my dad had. So didn't really do a whole lot of hunting when in my younger years. Um, when I met my husband in high school, he was pretty much the one that got me started hunting. So I guess you could say he was probably my, my very first mentor because he's the one that taught me everything he knew. Well, maybe not everything, but he kind of teases me now. He's like, well, geez, now you know more than me. So it's it's kind of funny to, to, to talk with him about it. But he was pretty much my very first mentor and taught me basically everything to get started. And most women don't always have that luxury because usually the husband or the boyfriend isn't that patient. And he was always, you know, very willing to teach and a good teacher. So I got pretty lucky in that, that part. Absolutely. I was just going to say that, that a lot of times at our Becoming Outdoor Woman events, we have the females that come because they're intimidated by that partner and not wanting to go with them either because sometimes that partner doesn't know and they want to go. Um, the heck with that partner. I want to learn and then I'm going to teach that partner. Uh, the other is they're just they, that partner may feel like they know it all and they're trying to teach this female that may need to learn in a different perspective way. So, uh, having a spouse or a partner teach you like you did is, is 
very uncommon from what we, we know. Yeah, it's very uncommon. And, you know, I think a lot of, of uh, I've been one of the guys for a long time, so I typically went out with my husband and all his buddies because back, you know, when I started, there just weren't that many women hunters. And I was, you know, pretty much treated like one of the guys. And women just aren't always one of the guys. I mean, we have different feelings. We react a little bit different. Um, not to say that I'm not pretty hardcore, but we do. We're we're just built a little different than men are. And sometimes it's a lot easier for women to learn from other, you know, women mentors. And that's that's a cool thing about our programs. Yeah, the hormones, they get to us. Them damn hormones. <laughs> we can't control them. Yeah. I have to say that the fact that you've been with your husband since high school is uh, is impressive in itself. And I don't want that point to be missed by by this topic. That's that's impressive. And congratulations. Thank you. It's It's been a pretty good ride. You know, there's always a few bumps in the road, but you try to work it out as best you can. So... Julie wants to learn a new method of harvesting oh, deer. Yeah. She is so up on so learning. stoked. Yes. Like after we had Angie on here a few episodes ago, Julie is wanting to spear hunt deer. So Always wanted to do it. Yeah. She's so excited. Yeah. But, you know, before the spear hunting, what uh, <laughs> what is your favorite method of harvesting a deer? Oh, boy. You know, when I first started hunting, it was with a rifle. You know, that's how most people start. Um, then you go into the bows. I really like my crossbow right now. I've shot deer with shotguns and slugs. That was always pretty fun. Um, handguns is like super fun. Um, I have a eight inch barrel forty four mag that I just adore. Stainless steel. It's so pretty. And it, it's right on target. But, you, you know, the older I get, it's not so much, how do, you, how do you kind of word this? It's not so much going out and just killing things. I'm sure I want meat for my table because that's what we live off of. We live off of everything that we hunt, and we have to stock the freezer year-round, um, you know, for the next year. Right now, I, I think I would have to say that crossbow hunting is probably my favorite just because of the time that I get to spend in the tree stand, in the solitude, seeing the different things going on in the woods, and you know, just getting to be outside and breathing that fresh air. Sometimes I freeze my butt off, and you know, when you hit my age, it's like you get hot flashes all the time, except when you're freezing your butt off in the tree stand. It's like, really? Where's the hot flash now to warm me up? Speaking of them hormones. <laughs> right. So... You know, and I think as a hunter, everybody kind of goes through different seasons where they like a certain thing or a certain way of doing things at that particular time. And as you grow and you change, um, as you mature, you tend to find different things in different ways that you like to do things and and things that you like to be maybe by yourself, um, not so much always with another person which is always good too, but sometimes just the solitude of sitting in the tree stand with my crossbow is just pretty nice. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. And <laughs> we're just, that solitude and silence as a mom of four, I'm like, oh, what is that like? Right? right? <laughs> and we were just talking about that conversation a little bit earlier with coworkers that 
The crossbow is, you know, as we're talking about that late season is a, is a good method of take for harvest because when it is so cold, it's a hard to pull back that bow. You know, you're right. freezing, you're wearing 10,000 layers and your muscle strength is just not there to be able to pull back a whole bow. So a, a crossbow works a little bit better for that as well. Absolutely. And they're fun to shoot. Yeah, they are. I have to, uh, Julie was the first time I remember, it was like years ago, had this hand crossbow. Oh, yeah, the pistol crossbow. Yes, the pistol crossbow. So much fun. We're totally getting off track, but it's all right. I like crossbow, <laughs> Julie. Ah. So I'm like, I went home and I was like, I, I got to have one for Christmas. And I got one. I don't know where it's at right now, but I loved it. It was so much fun. I'm gonna have to, we sh- Sometimes we'll have to get together and yeah. do our pistol crossbows. Absolutely. And and just kind of a clarification point as we talk about method of take, um, I want to remind our listeners that depending on what state they're in, it'll determine what method of take that they can use. Um, here in Iowa, our traditional seasons are shotgun, early muzzle loader, late muzzle loader. Um, we do have a January rifle season now, but the crossbows that Julia um, is talking about, Julia and Julia are talking about that pistol grip. That is illegal here in the state of Iowa. So um, just just want to do some clarification there that if you are looking into some of the different methods or, um, you know, if you're looking into archery or compound or, you know, recurve bows, those types of things, just make sure you check your regulations to make sure that they are legal for whenever you're looking to get out. But Julie, you kind of mentioned earlier in the conversation that you're going to be doing a ladies learn to mentored deer hunt. Uh, looks like it's coming up here in January. Can you tell us a little bit more about that type of season and, and maybe what you're, you're planning for this event? Right. Um, now, last year when we did this, it was freezing. I mean, it was 20 below um, and colder with the wind chill. It, we had a really bad cold snap. <laughs> so, you know, sitting in that pop-up blind with a couple little buddy heaters was a necessity because it was just so cold. And then, of course, layering and um, having the little hand warmers and foot warmers. Um, and I'm even thinking about getting one of those jackets, the heated jackets this oh. year, just for cold snaps <laughs> like that. Because, you know, when your core is warm, then it seems like the rest of you is is warm. Um but one of the things that we're going to have to really um, watch for is making sure that everyone has the proper co- clothing and enough clothing, and of course, making sure that we have the buddy heaters in our pop-up blinds. Um, we won't be doing any tree stand hunting unless it's fairly nice, <laughs> because with new hunters, um, or even those that aren't that seasoned, you don't want to just stick them up in a tree stand and make them freeze their butts off the first time, because then they're going to go, oh... If this is what I have to do, I am not doing this. Um, you know, they can they can kind of work their way into that or not. So um, the tree stand hunting is is for the, you know, not for the faint of heart, especially when it gets that cold out. And even that time of year, there's nothing like protecting those trees. It's bare, bare limbs, bare, there's no leaves there to kind of even hide you. So you're, Absolutely. you'd be more open as well to be seen by the deer. Yep. And at least, you know, with the pop-up blind, you can move around a little bit. You can shiver if you need to. 
And you can put that heater in there, which makes it super nice. So this time of year, early January, Julie and I are often at a meeting um, out on the western part of this, the country. And it's usually held in like the San Diego, Arizona, New Mexico area. And two years ago, I was sending my husband pictures of the ocean and just the beautiful sunsets. Well, I guess it was a, would have been three years ago because it was before COVID. And he sent me back this picture where I, had I not known it was him, I wouldn't have known who it was. It was this bearded man with a pipe, but he had so much <laughs> frost in his beard that it was like melting. It was like giving off this like aura. Like I, I didn't even know who this guy was. And he, the text back was negative 22 enjoy the sun and he was out late muzzleloader hunting around around the same time that we're talking and so as as i think back to that picture and and you're talking about being excited about that time of year i have to wonder like what intrigues you what gets you fired up about going out in negative 22 without hot chocolate there's no fire burning like she Your house isn't burning, so you don't have to be outside that time of year. Like, what what fires you up? Why do you like going out to this this late season? And Julie doesn't have a beard either, right? No, right. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I don't know why. You know, and the, it seems like the colder the weather for me, the better. Um, number one, when I'm hunting, I don't like to sweat, and I don't like the bugs. But there's just something about being out in that cold crispness, and if there's snow on the ground, it's even better. It's just the beauty of having, you know, a layer of snow on the ground, and when the sun rises, the snow twink twinkles and sparkles. Um, you can hear the crunching of animals walking through the snow. It's just, I don't know, it's just peaceful. Cold or not, I just like being out there. It's like... It's like um, something inside you just drives you and you just kind of earn, you know, you, you're, you just kind of yearn to be out there and take it all in. Um, I know there's times when I've got up into a tree stand and I've been rained on, sleeted on, snowed on, and I've been so cold that I should have left two hours before I got out of the stand. And it was almost to the point where it was kind of dangerous trying to climb down out of the stand because not only do, you know, the metal rungs on your stand get slick and there's a chance of slipping and falling, <laughs> you know, there's hypothermia as well to think about. And there's times when I've, I've just enjoyed being out there and it's just that certain driving factor that I have to be out there. And it's not really a competition. It's just wanting to be there it's Satis wanting satisfaction yeah it's just maybe it's a competition with myself maybe it's I don't know I don't know it's just some driving force that's internal that just makes me love it so much that I just want to be in that moment and you're not well, we can get a little bit more into this as well but you're also not competing at that time with a lot of other hunters during that popular peak Time. Exactly. Now for the late season, you know, in January here in Nebraska, it's an antlerless only season because that's one of the tools that we use here in Nebraska to kind of keep populations down, um, especially along our, our river areas. Um, 
and it's a antlerless only private land hunting. Um, so it is a tool that we can use to help some of those landowners that have, you know, way too many does kind of cull some of those out of, out of their area. And it's great meat on the table, but it's also a cool time of year because you can see some of those bigger bucks that have made it through the hunting seasons and you're like, yes, it's going to be here next year and it's going to be bigger. <laughs> and he's going to be smarter next right. year even. And sometimes here in Nebraska too, especially with the whitetails, um, you can actually see when one of them have, has dropped an antler on one side. Um, it, I don't know, it's just kind of a fascinating time of year to be outside and, and be hunting those, those deer. And, you know, even in January, we tend to have some warm spikes. The way this season's going, I'm not sure. It could be 40, 50 degrees. Even 30 degrees is warm for January. It's it's very possible. Yep. But we've been talking about January, uh, this late season, and and Rachel brought it up, that Nebraska's Become an Outdoor Woman program. We're doing a Ladies Learn to Hunt Deer Mentored Hunt. And Julie will be leading the charge of that. And, and we have the applications out there. The best spot to look is on our Facebook site, our Nebraska BOW Facebook site. But what that is, is these ladies are filling out an application because we want to learn more about you prior to that application. The purpose of the application is so you're not literally coming into this hunt cold. Right. Uh, you need to have a little bit of preparation, especially given the time of year. Um, you're going to be handling a firearm. We want you to be there ready for, uh, um, ready with hunter education as well. So I just want to put that plug in there. Uh, for those of you that see that and be like, wow, there's a lot of questions. What's the purpose of this? Why, if this is a learning experience, why are you pre-requiring all this you know, uh, knowledge before we go? And so that you know that, because I know some of our listeners have already filled that out application awesome. out. And that's awesome. Yes, we're very excited. But anyways, we're doing this late season because a um, couple reasons. A, it uh, we want to focus on these areas where there is a, the, it's the carrying capacity is being, um, oh, how do I It's just it? over full. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it can't it's, carry right. anymore. It's, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's kind of being... Um, pushed. The carrying capacity is being pushed. There's too many there. And so we want to, not only are we teaching these females how to go hunting, but also that that knowledge of why we're hunting this area. Um, also, landowners are very welcoming to come into that area. They know they have a depredation issue, that there are too many deer. So yes, we would love to have these new hunters, these mentored hunts come in on our land uh, it's antlerless, so like you said, it's a doe or a buck with no um, antlers. Mainly we try to aim for those does, again, helping control the population. Uh, and then it's just, it's not as busy of a time. So our mentors then, you know, they're, they're able to go hunting during their own time, during the rifle season, during the archery season. But then now they um, they have opened themselves up to take new mentees out, Rachel, you guys have a late season in January as well, and you mentioned rifle. Now, this is the first time, this is the first year that 
Iowa's been able to do a rifle season, and it's in January. Funny how, because our late season is in January with rifle as well. Tell us about that. How did that come to be, and and why January? Yeah, so it, it's a it's a little a little nuanced. So we've had a January January antlerless season. It's just been limited to certain counties. Um, so <clears throat> in Iowa, like Nebraska, we have a quota system. Um, you know, we have different seasons and each season has a set amount of tags or uh, deer licenses basically that, that we sell. And um, here in the last few years, our code's been changed uh, numerous times so that um, during our our December seasons, they've always traditionally been a shotgun season, but we've actually opened it up to those gun seasons where you can, you can shoot a 10, a 12, 16, or 20 gauge shotgun with a slug. Um, but you can also use handgun or rifle depending on the caliber. So it has opened that season up in, in what people can, what types of firearms you can use. Um, and then the January season is is a little bit more open. So it's bows, it's crossbows, shotguns, muzzle loaders, um, rifles, including center fire, which is a 240 to 350 in our state, and then handguns as long as they're in those same calibers. So um, yeah, it, it like you guys mentioned, it's the same thing. It's a it, it it helps us control our deer populations. So that's why we were able to open up certain counties. Um, for that that extra season, if you will. Yeah, that's a good segue into transition in Nebraska as well, because we're the same thing. We're just a f- certain counties, certain areas along the river, right? Yep, there's a three-mile radius along our river systems. Although I should point out in Nebraska, all state and federal lands are closed during that season. It's just private lands only. So, you know, you're 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 working with a lot of different landowners, um, and coming back to our women's hunt, it's good for them to know how to ask for permission and how to tell that landowner thank you. And, um, you know, a lot of bonds are made that way and maybe future places to go hunting. So very good point to bring out. In fact, I recently had a conversation with a landowner that lives close to me that that's their biggest gripe is people, A, either they ask them, like they knock on their door the day before open the season opens or they come tell them that oh yeah I was just on your land hunting or they're discovered on the land hunting without the ask Mm -hmm. and so oh that's such a big no-no especially Mm -hmm. landowners that puts a solid nasty taste in their mouth so part of this mentored hunt like Julie said is she's taking the ladies are going to the landowner in advance saying hey you know I am Sally Jane, I would like to, you know, would it be okay for me to hunt your land? And it, it, it kind of gains up that confidence. They hear the yes, they gain that confidence. And then hopefully when they want to go on their own, then they will have that ability, that knowledge to, uh, to go do it on their own someday, maybe even closer to their, their own house. Exactly. It's nice to have that networking, um, you know, and it's nice to have that confidence to be able to go up to someone and, and ask for that permission or, you know, how do you find people, you know, that want to have, have some of these excess does taken off 
And I know the Game of Hearts website here in Nebraska, we, we do have networking on our webpage where people can actually sign up, you know, and then landowners can contact those hunters that, that you know, can come in and take some of those excess deer off. Awesome. One other, you know, when, when you were talking about the, um, the women's hunt and why do we ask so many questions, it's not that we want to have people come to this that know everything, but we want to make sure that we, as mentors, are providing the steps that these women to need, uh, that these women need to be able to pursue this, you know, if that's what they choose to do, if they want to go hunting in the future, it's just a really nice way for them to have like a stepping stone for each step that they might need to take before they, you know, actually get out in the the pop-up blind or the tree stand or whatever. Um, And it helps us to know what kind of skill set they have. Um, That way we know more about what we need to do to prepare them for the hunt, um, which is kind of nice for a mentor going in. You know, that way we kind of know where you're at, what you need, and how we can help you get out on your own and and do some hunting by yourself later on. All right. I'm I'm still caught up on this cold weather. I don't like to be cold. <laughs> strategy. Okay, so we've we've talked that kind of late December, January time frame. All our leaves are down. In theory, at least around here, it's cold, icy, snowy, kind of slushy. Um how how do you hunt? You you mentioned in your mentor to hunt, you guys are gonna be hunting out of blinds. Um, but if if any of our listeners are looking to get out that that time of year, what do you have for suggestions on strategies? Um, how do you keep warm? How do you keep comfortable? And then what's your strategy on on actually hunting or pursuing your game? So kind of like we mentioned before, having those layers of the proper types of clothing, um, layering a lot, um, you know, maybe even heated socks. There's nice heated gloves out there. There's heated vests. And Initially, the price may seem like it's a little expensive because I think, you know, just the socks and the gloves themselves are probably like 160 some dollars a piece. But if this is something that you're going to do every year and you think about how many hand warmers you buy every year and every deer season and how much litter that that produces, basically, you know, by the time a couple years pass, you've spent $160. you know, but the initial cost is a little shocking for some people. Um, but I think that investment will pay off in the long run. Um, the heated vests are, uh, I think, a little closer to $300. Um, but still, it's, you know, it's kind of like a fine wine. Take your pick. <laughs> are you going to spend the money on a bottle of fine wine or a heated hunting vest? <laughs> or both. You'll stay warm with both. <laughs> right. um so yeah having the proper clothing is is a great tool um footwear and gloves are you know spend a little bit more money on those those two things especially um good good footwear is not only going to give you a lot of good traction but it's it's going to keep your your feet warm 
And fingers and toes are the first thing that goes when it's cold out. So spending a little more and having those stay warm is is worth its weight in gold. Um, and again, having the pop-up blind with a heater really, really helps. Um, even on windy days, you know, you don't have to have all those openings in your pop-up down. You can, you know, pretty much close them up except for a couple windows and you can still see around you. And usually it's pretty cozy in there as long as you're wearing the right stuff and you've got the heater going. As far as strategies go, the way we hunt the late season um, is pretty much in river corridors. So it's a lot of scouting on finding deer trails. It's finding the bedding areas. It's finding those food sources because come January, you know, food's going to be a major thing that the deer are looking for. Um, food sources and open water. So those are two of the key factors that you're going to want to look for because typically by January, everything's freezing up. So those are two things that you want to, want to pinpoint. And it does take a little bit of scouting. Um, that's why you want to get permission ahead of time so you can do that scouting. So you can, uh, you know, go out in the evening and see where are the deer coming from, where are they feeding, where are they going to get a drink, you know, and in the mornings, where are they coming out at? Where, you know, where are they going back to from a cornfield? Um, you know, just putting in the boots on the ground and kind of seeing what these animals are doing and where they're going, finding their trails, and then locating ambush sites um, to set up your pop-up blind, maybe some pinch points where they kind of meet in, in a in a place where they're pinched together as a is a good ambush site um so you know it's it's actually really pretty easy to to locate food sources and water sources that time of year because they're going to come to those areas i would take a step back to uh, the clothing and a strategy there with the clothing and rachel i know we've talked about this before is layers are very important and then i always carry in a lot of my clothes because if if it's negative 20 below out or whatever when you're getting dressed in your house by the time you get in the vehicle you travel to where you're hunting you walk a considerable amount away because you're not going to park right next to your hunting spot your pinch point you're going to be hot you're going to be sweaty and then that sweat instantly turns to ice like just ice cold so I always tell I pounded it on my son this past season, like carry in half the clothes because you're going to want to layer up and you're a lot going to feel a lot more comfortable layering up sitting there. I mean, you're sitting there waiting anyways. You get there way before the deer are going to cross your path. You have plenty of time to put on the clothes as you need it. So you feel like you're getting warmer as, as, the, as the time goes on rather than fighting frozen toes that were once sweaty. Right. Good point. So I recently read a meat eater article that focused on late season deer hunting. Um, and we focused a little bit about this already. Uh, Julie mentioned that um, the section, there was, a, there was a particular section that was focused on time of day. So I, you know, as we hunt here in the fall, I feel like everyone jumps out to be there before the sun comes up, right? But in the this what this article is focusing on is you hit that late season that 
the late, later in the day, the evening time is more uh, the time to focus on. So like evening hunts are traditionally a better option than morning hunts in the late season. A deer will be headed back to their beds before daylight, making it extremely difficult to sneak in the morning hunts without alarming. So that totally makes sense. You know, in the, in the uh, fall season, we can get there. We can sleep until a little bit, get in there before they're headed back to their bedding spot. In the winter, not so much, right? So, um, but in, so in the winter, what it's saying is to go out and during the daylight, sit there and wait until the sun goes down and you're more up to find that deer coming out of the bedding spot to their, their feeding points. Um, you know, also on the flip side, you know, like we said, is the deer are safely bedded down when you're craw- crawling into that blind and they're not hearing you wrestling in. And so um, it definitely just for different perspectives to look at, maybe knowing that maybe if you're not a really early morning person, that this late season may be the best for you too, so that you can sleep into your normal whatever 10 a.m. and then you can go in, you can hang out and wait because the days are shorter until that that deer path crosses your pathway to go to their feeding points. So you know, Julie, have did you find this um, to be true in your hunts? Do you, or do you head out the morning? Are you heading out in the evening? Um, all, are you an all day? Hun- I can see you as an all day hunter, though. Really, on some days, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what do you? What time of day have you seen to be the most successful when you're late season hunting? Yeah, late season. Um, I definitely prefer afternoons. Um, not to say that the deer won't move in the mornings. It kind of depends a lot on weather and wind factors. Um, when you think about deer hunting and deer and how they react in their habitat, their safety is by smelling, seeing, and hearing. And if the wind's blowing really, really bad or if it's raining, I don't even bother. I don't even go out. Um, you know, we're talking 40, 50 mile an hour winds. Um, they just don't move because that's taking away one of their senses and they're a little more uncomfortable with that. But again, it depends on, you know, if you're in a highly treed area where there's a lot of wind breaks, that makes a difference too. Um, so it kind of depends on the different scenarios that you have, but if it's raining really hard and it's, you know, kind of chilly out or raining and windy, I don't even go out. I've been, I've sat in the rain so many times and just come out soaking wet myself and 90% of the time never seeing a deer. Um, so it does kind of depend on your situation. You might have a fairly nice morning where, you know, the wind's not blowing. And if you do a little pre-scouting to see if those deer are moving or not in the mornings, that's kind of a key factor too. Um, you know, as far as do I want to sleep in or do I want to hit that tree stand early? <laughs> but typically... You know, late afternoons, I like to be out in the tree stand by around 2.30 or so um, for the late season, um, mainly because it warms up in the afternoons, especially if you get um, a day where the wind's not blowing so hard. And it's actually not too uncomfortable to sit out there for four hours, four and a half hours, and the deer will typically move a little bit better those late afternoons and evenings as well. A lot of things to keep in mind when you're 
thinking about when to go and where to go. Julie, you kind of mentioned earlier that you, you and, and Julia mentioned that, you know, you'll bring a lot of gear with you or clothing so you can have those extra layers later on as the temperatures start dropping, as the evening progresses. Um, what else do you pack when you go out in the field? Are there any certain things that you bring just because it's late season? Um, I know you mentioned hand warmers or any of your uh, your uh, socks, your vests, anything like that, that, that heat up, but anything else you might take um, just because of the season? You know, I have this really good pair of boots, and I don't typically wear them to the blind because they're so big. They're actually boots that they use in the Iditarize. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they're like honkers. I mean, these things are huge. Um, so sometimes I will uh, tie the shoestrings together and pack those in over my shoulder. Um, or if I am going to a pop-up blind, sometimes I will actually sled my gear in. Um, especially if there's snow on the ground. But if the season's dry enough, and depending on the terrain that you're in, if it's a fairly um, non-sloping or smooth area, um, I do sled some of my stuff in, and then I just hide the sled. Um, I actually have a white camouflaged one on one side, and it's uh, darker camouflage on the other so I can flip it either way <laughs> I like it I'm, I'm like envisioning myself carrying all this stuff into the field I'm like why didn't I ever think of a sled right Great I carry idea. I carry my bag with all my food right of course ammo hand warmers um, an extra coat sometimes my Iditarai boots <laughs> my uh, firearm um, and I just sled it all in. Nice. But it, it depends on where you're located, too. Um, a lot of times I'm sitting on the outside edges of tree areas when I'm hunting the late season, um, typically between a bedding area and a food source. So it's really easy to just bring that sled in. So in the fall, we use, uh, we can use rattles or decoys because, you know, it's it's that communication with the deer because it's deer in the rut now by time january rolls around you know typically that that rut is over the does are bred the bucks understand that they recognize it they may not even have that tolerance for humans at all like they're fed up with humans do you find that rattling or do you use decoys in the late season i typically don't um, not to say that you couldn't. I think if I was going to use anything, and and I know some people probably won't or will think this is kind of odd or funny, but they make the deer bleats or the old Khmer deer calls, which sounds like a fawn. Um, once in a while, you can try using some of those just to kind of attract those does in because it does sound like a fawn bleating for help. Um, but typically... If you do your research and you do some scouting, you'll be able to pinpoint those areas where the deer are moving into. Um, so I typically don't call or, or uh, use decoys or anything during the late season myself. It's, I don't know, might be just personal preference. All right. So in both our states, the archery season is much longer than uh, any of our firearm seasons. Uh, Julie, any idea why 
those firearm seasons are so much shorter? Well, the main reason would be because it's too easy probably to shoot <laughs> with a firearm. Um, you know, if we had those elongated seasons with a firearm, um, we'd be able to take many, many more deer out of the herds. Um, you know, these other methods of take are a lot more challenging and a lot more sporting. You know, some would even say it's even more fair chase than, than with a firearm. So that's why we kind of eliminate those seasons. Even our muzzleloader seasons, um, you know, you've got the traditional muzzleloader hunters that don't typically really like the inline muzzleloaders because it's, it is kind of cheating. It's, it's like shooting a high-powered rifle, basically. Um, but it's, you know, it's legal and it's personal preference on how you want to go about it. Our muzzleloading season here in Nebraska is a month long, you know, and where you can get those inline muzzleloaders that can shoot quite a ways, it, it does bring to mind, is that fair chase? Is it the same as using a muzzleloader where maybe 65-yard shot is, is tops? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we see in our numbers that a lot more deer are taken during the firearm season. And so for that reason... You know, that's why we limit that time frame of the firearm because it is, it is you can shoot, you can harvest a deer at a f much farther distance, maybe at the speed. They don't need to come in so close to you. And so it is a little bit more challenging for the archer to um, to bring in that deer at a closer. And so that's, you know, that that is number one reason why we've limited that time frame of um, the firearm, being able to use it so that we don't eliminate too much of the population during that, that time frame. And longer seasons do allow for more hunters to get out in the field. So yeah, Absolutely. You're right. All right. Well, thank you, Julie, for joining us today. I don't I don't know, but you've, your tips have provided me a little bit more comfort to get out there um, into not only just to, how to stay warm, but also just to overlook that that it's going to be cold. But the ambiance of being out there, for, it's quieter, maybe more apt to even be successful because there's not as many deer hunters out there. Uh, I, I, I mean, I like kind of like a little snow on my lap wrapped up in a bunch of blankets too, but you know, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. But also not only that, but just I'm helping the population. I can go to those landowners that we know that the deer population is a little higher than, and than we would like. And so by me getting out there, I'm helping that population. I'm helping that landowner. And then they appreciate us as a hunter and see value to us so that we can um, develop a, a good partnership. Absolutely. Julie, do you have any other further information that you want to share with the audience? <laughs> you know, I guess um, just to leave everyone off on a nice note, you know, if you're if you're thinking about pursuing hunting, especially deer hunting, find those mentors that you trust and and that will get you out and teach you step by step by step. You know, even if if you want to go a little slower, find those people that will take the time. Uh, to nurture you through your journey. Um, that might be starting off with shooting at the range. Um, could even start with picking out your first firearm and your, you know, your first rifle and your first scope. And 
uh, practice shooting at the range, finding which ammo shoots the best out of your firearm, um, and then getting out in the field and, and doing some scouting and just looking around even before you go hunting just to kind of familiarize yourself with the area and how the deer behave during different seasons and during different weather patterns. And while you're out there, just enjoy it all. Take it all in and just have fun. Well, thanks again, Julie, for joining us. It's been a, a great conversation. Look forward to um, maybe breaking out of my own fears of, of being out in that cold of weather and, and seeing what's out there. Um, there is something to be said about the just the quiet of and the stillness of, of that late winter season. So uh, thank you for joining us. Um, listeners, thank you for tuning in, for subscribing, for joining us, for being part of the community. Um, as always, share your photos, your comments to our Facebook page, um, like us, and please subscribe to the podcast. And until we uh, talk again, we will see you outdoors. Mm-hmm.